Chapter 7 of Ruffles and Danny, or The Responsibility of Ruffles, by Marjorie Watson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 7 The architect was very canny when he planned this fine old house. The long, deep piazza, which was really a summer living room, instead of being built out from the house, was built in between two L's, so that it was protected from the wind on three sides, and so it was possible to serve tea here very comfortably, especially as the screening was fine enough to keep out those irritating little black midges which sometimes are bothersome, as well as mosquitoes. No matter where one sat in this cosy, roomy retreat, there was sure to be a small table nearby, covered with dainty white linen on which to rest cup and saucer or plate. But the wide piazza rail looked enticing to Ruth. It could easily serve as chair and table at the same time. Leaning easily with her back against a pillar, swinging one foot after the manner of a boy, her riding skirt and tan-colored sweater revealed the perfect lines of her figure, and a close-fitting cap sat jauntily on the saucy, tip-tilted head. A little flick of amusement glinted in Mr. Sanderson's eyes as Mary slipped into a corner of the Gloucester hammock. It was very evident she was partial to hammocks. Eunice brought out plates of thin sandwiches and wafer cookies, placed them about on the tables, passed a tray bearing dainty cups of tea and glasses of rich milk, and was now devoting herself to Danny, who sat at a tiny table over in a corner, a napkin tucked under his chin, his attention divided between his glass of milk and Peter Pan, who was rubbing back and forth against Danny's legs, making friends in his soft, subtle way. Peter was afraid of nothing, never having been ill-treated. And dear Mrs. Frost was entertaining this youngest guest with stories of Peter and Puck, while she gently rocked back and forth in the old-fashioned, high-backed chair. "'Now, dearie, have another cookie,' urged Eunice, enraptured by Danny's beauty and winning ways. Ruth had kept a watchful eye on their corner of the piazza, and presently shook her head slowly, questioning the wisdom of a surfeit of good things. "'If I don't interfere soon,' she remarked, Eunice will certainly have Danny at bursting point. Oh, no, these cookies can't hurt him. Besides, he's not eating so very much. He's so busy making love to Peter. Miss Sanderson, I think Danny's the dearest thing that ever happened, said Mary. Ruth laughed. I was just thinking practically the same thing about your mother, she replied, then added, Yes, Danny is a darling, but he'll give you a few surprises before the summer's over, won't he, Dad? Mr. Sanderson glanced over at Danny, whose nose at that moment was buried deep in the glass of milk, which he finally set down with a gasp for breath. It's certainly difficult to conceive how anyone can look so angelic, so serious, so, so quiescent as Danny, and yet get into so many different kinds of mischief. His inquisitive little brain is never at rest except when he sleeps, and his determination to get at the bottom of things gets him into all sorts of trouble. "'How did he stand the long journey from the West?' asked Captain Frost. "'Pretty well on the whole. 
He got acquainted with everybody on the train from the porters up to a queer, bright little old lady who was traveling alone all the way from California, said Mr. Sanderson, rising to pass Mary more sandwiches. I should say he did, chuckled Ruth reminiscently. One morning, she continued, I began to think there must be something the matter with him. I got quite worried. There was a scared look in his eyes, and he kept putting his hand over his mouth. I had hard work to get him to eat his breakfast. We had a stateroom, and I'm ashamed to confess I'm terribly lazy mornings. Never get up till the last call. But Danny's always up with the birds, and I left it to Lula to keep track of him. I was really afraid something had happened. Finally I said, Danny, whatever is the matter with you? Have you got a toothache? What makes you hold on to your mouth all the time? Do you feel sick? No, Ruffles, he mumbled. I don't feel sick, but I don't want to lose mine teeth. Lose your teeth, I exclaimed in astonishment. What idea have you got in your head now? Well, I thought the porter who was standing nearby was having a spasm. In reply to my glance of inquiry, he sputtered out, Oh, Lord, miss, he, he, and off he goes again into another convulsion. After a while, he managed to tell me, on the installment plan, with lesser attacks of mirth in between, that the little old lady in number ten, miss, while she was gone to the toilet room, I make up her berth so as to have it all ready, miss, when she come back dis mornin'. But after a while she ring for me furious-like, and when I come hustlin' along she hollers out, so's Mars Danny and anyone else can hear, Where's my teeth? she says. I sure I don't know, ma'am, says I. I left em in my pillar-case, she says, while I go from my bath. Where's the pillar-case? she asks. I done took em all off to de laundry-box, says I. Take me to de laundry-box, quick! she screams. And so I s'pose, miss, Mars Danny, he, he, and off he goes again as he looked at Danny, who hadn't lost the habit and still had his hand to his mouth. Oh, Lord, miss, he's afraid his teeth will come out. So then I had to have a heart-to-heart -heart talk with Danny. Did the little lady find her teeth? laughingly asked Mary. Yes, she did. You never know what you are going to run up against in a Pullman sleeper. But she was the brightest, smartest, little grasshoppery old lady you ever saw, and she entertained all our fellow passengers as well as Danny. Well, said the captain, moving his big body restlessly, as though the very thought of the confinement of a Pullman car was irksome, I've cruised pretty much all over the world, but I reckon I'll never get far inland. I couldn't breathe in one of those boxes. If I ever have occasion, Miss Ruth, he said with a wink, to go to your part of the country, it'll have to be in a prairie schooner. Are there any to be found nowadays? Oh, sure, there are still a few families left with a roving spirit, and they live in them. You might fit one up with a motor, but what's the matter with an airship? That's more in your line, and you'd stand a better chance of arriving in the same generation, wouldn't you? The captain shook his head. No, Miss Ruth, t'would never do. I should miss the swells. You might meet some of the more exclusive ones up among the clouds, said Ruth facetiously. 
You know, an airship offers grand opportunities to escape from the common herd. Or you could take a few white caps along with you for the sake of auld lang syne, suggested Mr. Sanderson. No use, and Mary simulated a sigh. Father couldn't get along without a crew. Oh, a rooster could supply that need. This was a little too much, and Ruth had to dodge the pillow her father let fly. I'll take her home before she disgraces me any further, he announced, rising and crossing over to bid goodbye to his hostess and get hold of Danny's hand. By the way, said the captain to Ruth, are you skipper of that fine craft out in the stables? Guilty, she said, raising one hand. Will you ride her some day, captain? Only be sure to let me know in time to reverse the saddle. Now, what do you mean by that? You don't ride side saddle? No, but you see, in order to feel quite at home, you'd have to ride backwards, for the steering gear is all in the bow. Ruth broke into a merry laugh, lightly vaulted the piazza rail, and ran to the stables. The captain watched her flying feet with beaming face, and then he turned to grasp Mr. Sanderson's hand. Do let those children run in whenever and just as often as they like. They're as good as an east wind on a hot, sultry day. All right, captain, I'll give them carte blanche, only if you get too much of them, just let out a gentle hint. Danny was put up in front of Ruth, and after Mrs. Frost had fed Bonnie a lump of sugar, and appreciation of the pleasant ending to the day had been expressed by all the guests, Ruth urged Bonnie close up to the rail where Mrs. Frost stood, and, leaning over, kissed her cheek. "'There's only one thing that puzzles me, and of which I don't quite approve,' she said. "'And that is,' asked Mrs. Frost, "'why, your name doesn't seem to fit at all.' It was a bewitching smile that Ruth cast over her shoulder as she turned Bonnie's head toward home, Mr. Sanderson having already started. Standing with her arm about her mother's waist, Mary watched them go across the river with happiness shining in her soft gray eyes. "'The summer begins well, mother,' she said. End of chapter 7